0: Thank you, and good morning, everyone. And uh, wishing you all a, a blessed week. So, uh, when I asked young Samson, you know, of uh, CBMC, what topic to speak on today, so he said, "Whatever you wish to." And as my call with him ended, my first thoughts went to the title of a book I own, uh, written by Doctor John Edwin Haggai, and. Uh, And that is, be careful what you call impossible. So that's the topic of the day. And while the thoughts I'm going to share are not from his book, it's about the same God that both Dr. Haggai and I love, worship, and all of us trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the word impossible has many synonyms unachievable, implausible, inconceivable, unreasonable, uh, we may say far-fetched, absurd, right down to ridiculous. So when we say be careful, what you call impossible, it includes a whole gamut of these words. Let me begin by anchoring the idea that as Christians, we must be careful about what we call impossible. The words of our, our rock, uh, which is found in Mark ten twenty-seven, And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. So the question arises, despite this simple assurance from the most trustworthy person, Jesus, why is it we consider Situations, opportunities, and at times even people to be impossible. So, as we explore the reasons, I hope we find the solutions that make us think twice before we call anything impossible. So, the first reason we use the word impossible is because of what I would call misplaced extreme certainty. What do I mean by this? When we feel extremely certain that something is not possible, that's when we call it impossible. Take, for instance, two women in the Bible who were presented with the same issue. And if I may say so, it was the issue of having an issue. One was sure that she and her husband were too old to have an issue, and the other was unsure How she could possibly have one without human contact? So the two responses we see are, yes, Sarah was so certain that it was not possible that when she heard it mentioned, she actually laughed. Mary, on the other hand, was unsure because she had no husband and asked, how will this happen? I've never had a man. When her doubts were cleared, she replied, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me, as you have said. So the first, first principle uh, is we can learn uh, from this, these two stories is when nothing is sure, everything is possible. I hope each one of us, you know, we take this principle uh, to heart as the uncertainty, the unsureness. Of this pandemic continues in the midst of nothing being sure, let's remember, everything is possible. The second reason uh, the word impossible slips out of our hearts to our tongue is our sense of inadequacy. I call it the "who me" syndrome. Let me give a few examples from the Bible of people with a "who me" syndrome. That could be relevant to Christian businessmen and professionals. So do you remember the incident with Jesus' disciples when he asked them to feed the crowd of 5,000 men and an unaccounted number of women and children? Like any of my bright business management students who had learned economics, they replied, we have a scarcity problem of Limited resources of five loaves, uh, five fish and two loaves that cannot meet the unlimited wants of this crowd. So like you and me, as we do sometimes, they said impossible. To whom? To the very person who had taught them that with God all things are possible. So are we focusing on our unseen resources? Or are we focusing just on what we can see? That is something to think about. Another person we encounter is the one who buried the coin. That's all the, the coins or the talents that he was given. Some of us have adopted this posture of hibernation. Let's wait this pandemic out. And when things get back to normal, then we will re-emerge. Are you one of them who's saying, Let me conserve my resources and not use them till things get back to normal. But how about trying about, how about trusting in God in these times of weakness? Can we use his resources wisely when we see opportunities? Remember, it is his resources, not yours. Opportunities to invest or even opportunities to offer a helping hand. What is the motivation for preserving our resources? Are we forgetting, as I just mentioned, that we are just stewarding God's resources? Or are we like the the wicked servant, assuming our master is a hard person? Let's steward our resources better. And that includes stewarding even relationships that we have, which are our resources. The final who me person is Moses, who was raised in the palace and had the best education that Egypt could offer. But when asked by the Lord to speak on his behalf to the, to Pharaoh, he responded, who me? I don't even know how to speak. My friends, most of us here are experienced and educated businessmen or professionals. Who have been prepared by our Lord actually for a time such as this, to not just endure, but to thrive during this pandemic. Are we looking at our inadequacies, which like in the, the case of Moses and actually many others, they may be actually imagined or unreal inadequacies. So what's the second principle? You know, a uh, we have to overcome the default position of who, me, when we face a situation that looks difficult. Here are two verses. Uh, there are many verses, but I'm just going to share two verses that can help us overcome our default position of responding. Who, me? Firstly, let's be clear. Second Corinthians 3.5 says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency comes from God. And those of us who are stuck in the middle of a project and we feel just like Moses felt that I can see the promised land, but I'm not able to go there. You're stuck because of something to do with resources, etc. Remember the promise in Philippians. One sixteen and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So if you feel you're stuck in the rut, you're stuck because of something, just remember this and trust in God. The third reason uh, is our outlook or our perception of things which make us use the word impossible. Many times this outlook or perception becomes what we call as a self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, we actually become what we believe in. So I'm going to uh, talk about a tale of two giants. The classic example of of this outlook uh, from the Bible is a report of 10 of the 12 spies. Sent out by Moses to scope the promised land. While all the 12 reported that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, 10 of them focused on something else. They said this when they referred to the people who were living uh, there, who were descendants of Enoch. They said this there we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The key part of of this was that they perceived themselves as grasshoppers. And that became a self-fulfilling prophecy, their reality, when they said this about those inhabitants. That the inhabitants also viewed them as grasshoppers. But we all know what Joshua and Caleb felt about the inhabitants. Then, of course, (coughs) once again, what are things that you're looking at and perceiving them to be the giants in your life and business? As you face your, your giants and, um, you know, the, the difficulties in your business, are you like Joshua and Caleb? Or are you like another hero who looked at a giant called Goliath, and was not taken in by his dominant physical presence. Instead, he asked the people standing by, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David's confidence and outlook is based on the past faithfulness of God, which he had experienced. We know this by the words he says as he readies himself to battle his giant. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What is our response when we encounter our giants? Are we looking at ourselves as grasshoppers or do we realize that we are part of the army of the living God? So the third principle. Can we all dig into our past experiences of God's faithfulness just as David did? And be careful about thinking that we cannot defeat our giants. Can we truly believe David's words that we all love to recite, you know, in Psalm 23? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yes, let's believe. God's goodness and mercy is always with us, whatever be the situation. The principle we learn from David's outlook is that before we can slay the giants in our life, we must reach the point where we realize it is possible. It is possible to slay the giants. If we don't have that outlook, we are not going to get too far. Here's some wise counsel from St. Francis of Assisi on overcoming our giants. And what he says is this: start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly you're doing the impossible. In other words, take small steps of faith. Step out of your boat. Only then you can start walking on water. And yes, keep your eyes on Jesus not on the winds, not on the storms that are raging. Another reason that we believe things are impossible is our mental locks. Mental locks, like paradigms, are formed by our upbringing, our education, culture, and our default nature of actually stereotyping people and situations. Nathaniel is a good example of a person with a mental lock, who when he was told that the Messiah has come from Nazareth, he asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? Having a stereotype. What about us? Do we give up opportunities to partner with people against whom we have some mental locks, some stereotyping, and are we missing some good business opportunities at this time? What about the mental lock that there is only one correct answer to any issue or question? We see instances where the Pharisees and the Sadducees who believed in only one right answer thought they had put Jesus in a tight spot. They felt Jesus had to pick from either being put in the frying pan or in the fire. But Jesus was not boxed in, you know. In a a mental lock of there being only one right answer, and so we see many examples like his replies: "Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God." Or when he said, "He who is without sin, cast the first stone." He completely outfoxed these people who thought that he had no choice but to give one right answer. In business, let's not think. That we are answering a multiple choice question, uh, as we did in college or in school, where there was only one right answer. Let's look for the second right answer. Let's look for the third right answer, and then we will be able to find the solution and not call something impossible. So, uh, when I uh, you know uh, talk of mental locks. I want to, there are so many mental locks that we have, but let me mention two uh, mental locks which are closely related. This mental lock is, it is not, it is illogical or it is not logical. Or another version of it is, it's not practical. In other words, it would be absurd to try such a thing. Or if we have the treasurer Judas's kind of uh, mindset, we would say, Let's not waste our resources that could be put to better use. Imagine what the servants who were with Jesus' mother might have thought when Jesus told them to fill the jars meant for ceremonial washing with water when he was asked to solve the problem of wine running out. While they may have wondered what was going on, they still went ahead. And they did something that was actually quite illogical and impractical. The result, of course, was an incredible 180 gallons of the best wine. So let's pause for a minute here and reflect on what would have happened if the servants didn't listen to Jesus' mother's advice. Do whatever he tells you to do. If they didn't, the miracle wouldn't have happened. How about us? How are we responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do what he's telling you, or telling me to do? Are we missing some miracles of you know, not getting some of the best things that God has in store for us? Because we think it's illogical, it's impractical. So similar to the principle, I offer a new principle. To overcome the problem of mental locks in our lives, can we cultivate? You know, there was a there's a principle that you're uh, innocent until proven guilty. So I want to give a similar principle. And can we cultivate a mindset of possible until proven impossible? Can we look at things and say, not don't get into those mental locks. Before I conclude, uh, I think it's important we discuss a few related issues. In fact, one related issue to the idea of impossible. So that the related thought is this. Some of you may have this, <coughs> this question in the back of your mind. What about the times a person keeps attempting to do something and keeps failing? Say after six attempts, is it not okay to call the situation impossible, right? We try many times and we're not able to do it, so maybe we should call the situation impossible. While it's, it's tempting to me to concede this as a good candidate for the title impossible, I wonder whether or not it's a case of obstinacy versus perseverance. Could it be we are not listening to God's prompting or a or clearly experience uh what he said, what the you know what he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Sometimes it could just be a matter of something not being part of God's will. Accepting that is not always easy, but calling it impossible I think is most likely Inaccurate. So think about: Am I being obstinate and still perse- uh, You know, still going on, thinking that I'm persevering. So uh, let me conclude by returning to some of the Jesus stories that I shared with you, and say this: Jesus is turning water into wine, or oh, his multiplying bread and fishes were not just a display of his immeasurable power and authority it was also a display of his compassion to care. as jesus multiplied the bread and fishes he rever- he revealed he revealed he does care that we don't go hungry that should come as a reassurance to all of us at this difficult time he also taught his disciples to do the same. And even as that is a reassurance to us that we won't go hungry as his disciples, we need to shoulder the responsibility of ensuring that people around us also don't go hungry. Turning water into wine not only revealed his deity to his disciples, but his compassion of rescuing a family from embarrassment. And even though it was not, and this is important, even though it was not God's appointed time, the truth is such octopus gives us comfort, gives me motivation to seek and to offer intercessory prayers in difficult times, just as Mary interceded on behalf of the bridegroom's family. You see, even though Jesus said, it's not the right time. It's not God's time. He still acted when Mary interceded. So that gives us comfort and that gives us strength. Let me end with a quote from Selvin Hughes, one of my favorite quotes, about the importance of our faith in God. Faith sees the invisible, believes. In the incredible and it expects to receive the impossible. May we all expect to receive the impossible and just remove the word impossible and let's be careful what we call impossible. May God bless us all. Let's pray. Amen. Father in heaven, we just bow down in your holy and awesome presence. And Lord, uh, we just thank you for this new beginning of a week and this new, uh, Lord, opportunities that lie in ahead of us. I pray that you would fill us with the right outlook, that you would strengthen us. And we know, Lord, that you care for us, that you have compassion for us. And that, Lord, with you as part of us, nothing is impossible. Because, Lord, we know nothing is impossible for you. And Lord, I just pray for each of the people whose heads are bowed down here and joined in this um, meeting. And also for those who couldn't and will be listening uh, to this message later. I pray, Lord, that you would be their rock. That you would be someone that they can lean on. And that, Lord, you would make ways And that you would provide, Lord, uh, for all they need. And that, Lord, you would carry them over into the promised land that you have planned and prepared uh, for them. So be with us, Lord. Bless us. And we just love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.